This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. So we come to 1 Samuel chapter number 16 this morning. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let me also ask you, if you would, to go back a few pages to 1 Samuel chapter 13. As we find the context of the events that led to what we have just read in chapter 16, where God says to, to the prophet Samuel, go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be a king. Now, there was already a king. And so now God has said, I want you to go and anoint another king. The king who was already ruling was a man named Saul. And Saul had sinned against the Lord. 
In 1 Samuel 13, God confronts him through his messenger Samuel. He confronts Saul with his sin. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 13, And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. You see, it was time now for God to choose that man. Saul, in his willfulness and his sinfulness, had shown that he had no heart for God. And so God said, I am going to choose another king, a king who, as the Lord said, was a man after his own heart. As we go back to chapter number 16, where we began reading, the Lord said in verse number 1, he said to Samuel, I have provided me a king among his sons. In verse number 7, the Lord said that the Lord looketh on the heart And then finally, when this last and final son came before, this son of Jesse came before Samuel, the Lord said, anoint him, for this is he. Who was he? He was a man after God's own heart. That's the title of the message this morning, a man after God's own heart. I want us to pray together and ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word. And may we ask that God would speak to us and open to our hearts and minds the truths of his word. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask for your help. We ask that you would open to us the scriptures. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enable us to understand and receive what you have to say to us. I pray that you would enable me as your messenger to communicate your truth in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. David was a man after God's own heart. He was living in a time when Israel was in crisis. The people had foolishly demanded that they be given a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. They did not like the fact that they did not know from generation to generation who God would appoint to be their ruler. God's spirit would simply anoint a man and he would rise to the position of leadership. He would raise an army when they dealt with an enemy and they would go into battle, not with any particular organization, just at the command of God. And God, by his power and by his spirit, always brought victory to his people. But as they looked upon the nations that surrounded them, they said, we want to be like those people. We want a king to rule over us. And Samuel, of course, was grieved with this, but the Lord told Samuel, nevertheless, give them what they desire. They have not rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me. And so Saul was anointed as the king of Israel. The people rejoiced at the coronation of their first king. Saul was a man of great stature. He was head and shoulders taller than the average Israelite. Saul had a good beginning, but soon he exhibited a disobedient, selfish, and defensive spirit. 
all of which resulted in divisive and unhealthy leadership. He disobeyed the Lord in the matter of the Amalekites. When God sent him to utterly destroy them, he chose not to do that. He thought he knew better than what God had commanded him to do. And then when confronted with his sin, he made excuses. He took it upon himself to offer the sacrifice. He was impatient and would not wait on Samuel to arrive. And so in his hastiness and his self-will, he decided he would do it himself. That was not his duty to perform. And ultimately, it led to the rejection of Saul as king. And it led to the Lord saying, I'm seeking a man after mine own heart to rule in Saul's place. As we come to chapter number 16, we see that Samuel is in despair. Notice the words of the Lord as he says in verse number one, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? (laughs) Uh, We can readily identify with the mourning of Samuel, can we not? We should be disturbed today by what we see happening in our nation. I just want to give you a few recent developments. I'm sure you've seen these things, but in the event you haven't, in recent days, the Senate confirmation hearings of the Biden Biden cabinet appointees have begun. President Biden's nominee to serve as the head of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, faced questions from senators concerning his position on trans gender issues in America. They additionally asked him concerning his long-standing record of hostility towards religious groups and their constitutional right to exercise their biblical beliefs. Javier Becerra has intentionally, purposely gone after religious groups who exercise their biblical convictions. Just this week, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a very dangerous piece of legislation called the Equality Act. Through that act, they would seek to enforce their pro-LGBTQ agenda upon churches and ministries like ours. They have not hidden the purpose of this agenda. And Javier Becerra is one of their leading proponents. They also questioned uh, the president's nominee to assist Javier Becerra in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. That nominee was formerly known as Dr. Richard Levine and is now known as Dr. Rachel Levine. Dr. Levine is the first transgender cabinet appointee in U.S. history. Senator Paul questioned Dr. Levine concerning the doctor's position that children should be allowed to make decisions about their gender identity and also should be allowed without parental consent to undergo gender-altering hormone treatments and procedures. All of this just happened this week. Representative Greg Stubbe of Florida rose to the floor of the United States House of Representatives 
and read the Word of God. He read concerning the truth that God made each of us male and female. His point was to clarify that there are only two genders. Thank God for Representative Stubbe. When he finished his remarks, Representative Jerry Nadler rose to the floor and said, and I quote, Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. I shuddered when I heard that. I shuddered for Mr. Nadler. Because unless he repents, there is a day of judgment, a dreadful day of judgment. I do not rejoice in that prospect for Mr. Nadler, nor should we. I shudder not only for Mr. Nadler, I shudder for our nation. That we have people in positions of leadership in our nation, a nation that was founded on biblical principles and truths and by people who loved and knew God. We've handed the keys over to leaders who've been fashioned in a Romans chapter 1 world. And when we read these things and when we hear these things, what is it that we do? We despair. We are despondent. We are discouraged. At least I hope to some degree that you are today. I imagine that as unsettling as all that's happening in our nation and, and, and as alarming as that is the condition of the church and its apathy and indifference. May God awaken us to what is happening in our world and to our own spiritual condition. Discerning Christians recognize how far into the depths we have sank as a nation. Despair and despondency is, ex is an expected response to what is happening. But in Samuel's case, and I think in my own case, oftentimes, the despair continued too long and was leading Samuel down a dismal path. And so the Lord speaks to him on that path of despair. And he asks a question. I think it's a very good question. You see it here in verse 1. How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Now, Samuel anointed Saul as king. He anointed him because God told him to. And he had such high hopes for Saul. He had such high expectations. And Saul had a good beginning, as I said earlier. But as he watched Saul's disobedience and self-will, he saw everything kind of unraveling and falling apart. And that is where we are in our nation today. We, we see everything seemingly unraveling and falling apart. But God would say to us, how long will you mourn? You see, God is not dismayed. His purposes can be frustrated by no foe and no enemy. No circumstance. And so he gave Samuel a word of encouragement. 
and a word of admonition. Notice it in the concluding part of verse 1. Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Here's the thing we need to recognize. God is not alarmed. Now, I gasped at the representative's comments. God is not alarmed. God has the answer. He has a plan, and he will bring it, uh, bring it to pass. You see, God always has a plan, and that plan always involves a people. In this case, it involved in particular a man, and that man was David, and he was a man who was unknown to nearly all of Israel, but he was known to God. He was the man that was after God's heart. And today, as you and I live in this world of despair, let me say this to you, that God is looking for a man who is devoted to him, and he will use that man. And may God speak to us this morning. May he find in this congregation that man, that woman, that child who will love him with all their heart and desire to please him because the need is greater than ever before. Sometimes... We might jokingly say one to another, be the man. Well, let me just say in no joking fashion today, be the man, be the woman, be the young person after God's own heart. The three headings I want us to look at this morning, number one, the Lord seeks such a man. The Lord Number two, sees such a man. And the Lord, number three, supplies such a man. Let's look at number one, the Lord seeks such a man. The Bible says in verse number one, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do and thou shalt anoint unto me whom I name unto thee. You see, Bethlehem was uh, about 11 miles south of Ramah where Samuel dwelt and to get there, he had to go through Gibeah, which is where Saul dwelt. And no doubt with the tension that existed now between Saul and Samuel, that tension was great because Samuel had declared unto Saul that God had rejected him as king and that God was seeking a new king, a man after his own heart. Samuel had taken a sword and he had... Uh, with that sword, hewed Agag, king of the Amalekites, into pieces. No doubt that word spread, and the people of Israel, they understood that because of Saul's lack of leadership and because of Samuel's zeal toward the Lord, there was a disagreement between them. There was tension in the air. There was fear that filled the hearts of the men of Israel. And when Samuel came to town... The elders of the town in verse number four trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I am come to sacrifice 
unto the Lord. You see, Samuel was filled with fear. If I go, Saul will kill me. So the Lord said, take a heifer and go sacrifice and go to the house of Jesse and call his sons to the, to the sacrifice, and I'll show you who to anoint. He was running a covert mission for God, for the good of the kingdom. And when he arrived, the people were filled with fear. It gives us an understanding of, of the climate in the nation of Israel at that moment. The people were filled with fear. We live in a world today that's filled with fear. They're looking for hope. They're looking for security. They're looking for answers. And they're getting mixed messages every day. May God help us as the church of Jesus Christ to give them the hope and the truth that they need. A few years before these events took place, the nation, as I mentioned earlier, had clamored for a king. And Saul was the king they sought for themselves. He was the people's choice. I'll give you just a few references. You, you may want to write these down, but I'll move through them quickly. In 1 Samuel 8, 5, the people demanded to Samuel, make us a king. Make us a king. In 1 Samuel 8, verse 18, Samuel referred to that king that they demanded. He called him your king, which ye shall have chosen you. You see, there's one person they've left out of this. Do you know who that is? It's God. So we want a king. Make us a king. <laughs> Samuel said, all right, you'll have your king, which ye shall have chosen you. Then the Lord later would say to Samuel in 1 Samuel 8 and verse 22, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. Let them have what they want. 1 Samuel 12 and verse 13, the Bible refers to Saul as the king whom ye, that's speaking of the people, have chosen and whom ye have desired your king, verse 25. There's no doubt about it. He was their king. You say, well, God told Samuel to anoint him. Yes, he did. But God knew what was in the hearts of the people, and they had asked for the king, and they had rejected him, and so God gave them what they desired. We read that in the 78th Psalm. When the people lusted, God gave them their desires, and they were filled with the flesh. They lusted after the flesh pots of Egypt, the leeks and the onions. And when they were filled with it, they regretted it. And by the way, when they got their king and when they were filled with his selfishness and his violence and his insecurity and his instability, his temperament, when they were filled with that, they were miserable, unhappy people. So the people had gotten what they longed for. Now it was time for God to get what he longed for. By the way, we've gotten the government that our nation has longed for. I hope it isn't what you've longed for, but it's what our, our, our nation has longed for. When you choose style over substance, that's what you get. Eloquence, the term that is used to describe uh, leaders such as we have now, are terms that are twisted 
I, I hesitate to even say it, and in fact, I won't say it. But the term that they would define our president with and say that he appears to be uh, more stylish than previous leaders. They totally forsake the substance of what these people say they believe and what they do. And we're reaping that consequence now. But don't fear. Let not your heart be troubled. Because God has a man. And God had a man then. That man was David. By the way, the man that's coming to rule and reign is the son of David. He's the son of God. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you see, everything that befell the nation of Israel in those days, though it did not appear to Samuel that everything was coming together according to God's plan, it was coming together. And sometimes it has to fall apart before it can come together. And I want you to know that though this world seems like it's falling apart, it is not falling apart. It is coming together as the Lord said it would. And he is coming again. Now, David, in many ways, serves as a prophetical figure of that. And the Bible says that David is the man who the Lord sought. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue, Samuel said to Saul. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. Israel, you've had your choice. Now God says, I'm going to have mine. And there's coming a day when the Lord will say to the world, You had your choice. Now I'm going to give you mine. The Lord has sought for such men in every generation. During the period in which Ezekiel prophesied, the prophets, the priests, the princes, and the people fell into corruption. But God was looking for a man, a man with a heart according to his heart. Ezekiel wrote in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. Israel had apostatized. The Jews had apostatized. And he said, I'm looking for a man who will stand in the gap for the nation. But notice what he says. I found none. May God find one among us today. Or two. Or three. Or 300. Who will stand in the gap? Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1. The prophet said, run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof. If ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh truth, and I will pardon it. God is looking for a man, a woman who will love him and who will serve him. Can he find one here today? A man after his own heart is a man with a believing heart. He's a, he's a man who has a heart filled with belief in the Lord and in his word. He's a man whose heart is fashioned after the Lord's heart. He's a man who has the heart of the good shepherd. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. This is the greatest commandment of them all, Jesus said. On this commandment 
and another that is like to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. On those two commandments hang all the prophets and the law, he said. You see, what God is interested in today is our heart, and he is seeking a man who has a heart for him. He's seeking a young person who has a heart for him. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 37 and verse 4, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. When we make him the center of our lives, when we truly take pleasure in him and his word and his will, God will fill our heart with desires toward him and to do his will. You see, you don't have to have a perfect heart today. You just have a heart, you just need a heart that will respond even in a small way to God, but with all sincerity to him. And as you seek the Lord, he will fill you with his desires. I want to tell you, that the Lord is seeking such a man. Let me give you a second truth. That is that the Lord sees such a man, but he doesn't see the way you and I see. In verse number six, the Bible says, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him for the Lord seeth, not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And one by one, the sons of Jesse came before Samuel. And the Lord said, I have rejected these. And finally, Samuel said, are all your sons here? And they said, well, there's just one boy. He's out there keeping the sheep, you know, just little David. We don't think much of him. We didn't think enough of him to actually invite him to the sacrifice. We certainly wouldn't have thought that you would need him for any reason, but we can get him if you want him. Oh, yes, I want him. Bring him here. And so he came, and the Lord said, that's him. That's him. You see, nobody else saw in him what God saw in him. You see, when Eliab came, Samuel said, man, look at that guy. He's impressive. Look at his stature. By the way, that's what Saul was known for, right? His stature, his presence, his ability to lead. I mean, he was everything you look for in an earthly leader. And even Samuel was swept up in this. But God said, no, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for something you can't see. I'm looking for the heart, and I'm looking into the heart. It's really all a matter of perspective, and what we need today is God's perspective because God is able to see the heart. Isn't that what Paul wrote of in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Let me read it to you in verse 26. He said, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men, well, that's the kind of people the earth would be looking for, right? The wise men. Not many mighty. Well, that's the kind of man you'd want as a king, a mighty man. Not many noble. Well, that certainly qualifies. Not many noble are called. Wait a minute. You mean God doesn't call the mighty and the noble and the wise? Well, it doesn't say that he doesn't call any of them. He just says he doesn't call many of them because that's what the world would be looking for. So who does God choose? 
Well, look at verse 27, 1 Corinthians 1. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Nobody would have suspected David to be the king. He's just the little boy. He's the keeper of the sheep. The base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God looks not at the flesh. He looks at the heart. Do you have a heart for God? If so, let me tell you something. Though the world overlook you, God sees you. And it delights him that you have a heart for him. Isaiah 29 and verse 13. The Bible says, Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips to honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. In other words, they had assembled to worship him, and God said, They look like they're here to worship me, but their heart's far from me. You know, it's a scary prospect, isn't it? to know that God sees our hearts this morning. It's a sobering thing because, as Jeremiah said, the heart is desperately wicked. It is deceitful above all things. Jesus said in Matthew 15, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. James said a double-minded man, a double-hearted man is unstable in all his ways. And the Proverbs warn us that we would keep our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. You see, God is seeking a man after his own heart, and God can see the man who is after his own heart. And that's why David prayed to the Lord, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try my reins, try my heart, my motives, my thoughts, my attitude, my intentions. God, try that. Purify me. Cleanse my wicked, sinful heart. Give me the heart that is a heart after yours. Finally, we see that the Lord supplies such a man. In verse number 13, the Bible says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Throughout the Old Testament, we read where the Holy Spirit of God would visit a man. He would come upon him. We read of that in the life of Samuel, or Samson, rather. And... uh, And finally, because of Samson's sin, when the Philistines were upon him, he didn't know that the Spirit of God had departed from him. But the Bible tells us concerning David that he did not just come and visit David, but the Bible says that he came upon David from that day forward, verse 13, meaning that he came and dwelt with David all the days of his life. Now, when he came to David, the Bible tells us in verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And afterwards, the Bible tells us that an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. John Woodhouse, in his book on 1 Samuel, gives us a little explanation concerning this. 
He says, the word evil in this context should not be understood in moral terms, but rather as an indication of the misery, distress, and harm this spirit or mood will cause Saul. The evil in this sense is that this condition brought to Saul came from God. You see, we understand that those who live absent the indwelling spirit of God are subject to the evil spirits of this world. And that's why we see such hatred and animosity and such mental and emotional distresses in our world. It is because of the sin nature. It is because of the spirit of this world. It is because of the powers and the principalities of the air, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so here's a man now, Saul, who's rejected God, and God has rejected him. And the Spirit of the Lord departs from him, and the Spirit of the Lord dwells upon David. Now, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of the Lord, and he dwells within you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. But that wasn't the case in the Old Testament. So David, now filled with the Spirit of the Lord, is now called upon to use the gifts that God has given him. By the way, God wants you to use the gifts he's given you. Do you have a heart after him? Do you have a spirit, the spirit of God dwelling in you? Then God desires for you to be a blessing. He desires to use you. And so one of the men says, let our Lord, in verse 16, let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player, on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. So, Saul, we want to sue this evil spirit, this, these, these fits that you're having, these mood swings that you're having. We, we want to try to help you. So let's bring in a man who can play and he can soothe you. Notice this in verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning in playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Now, remember this. Saul had no idea that David had been anointed. And now God is bringing to mind to a man in the court of Saul that David, this Son of Jesse, who's a Bethlehemite, he knows how to play. He can play the harp. He, he's a mighty valiant man. He's a cunning man. You see, we find here that when the Spirit of God comes upon a man, the Spirit of God equips a man to serve him. And David had skills, obviously, before anointed by the Spirit, but now anointed by the Spirit, those skills could be employed in the work of God. Notice what the man said of, of David again here in verse 18. Remember now, the Spirit is what supplies us. He said he is cunning in playing. He was skilled. He was skilled. Then he said, he said, He's a mighty, valiant man, a man of war. That David worked out there with the sheep, and he killed the lion and the bear. He was a brave guy. He was a, a man who was skilled with a sling. 
He was a man who was skilled with a spear and a sword. He was a valiant man. He was a man of war. He was skilled. He was strong. And then he said, and, a, and prudent in matters means he's smart. You see, the Spirit of God gave David the ability that he needed to do the work that God was calling him to do. And let me just say to you this morning that God has gifted you with the ability through his spirit to do the work he's called you to do. Are you relying on him? Or are you just looking are you looking at yourself the way the world might look at you? You know when you look at yourself in the mirror, I hope you don't get up in the morning and go, "Wow, you look really impressive." Most people don't do that. Most of us look in the mirror and we 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 see all of the flaws all the things that we do not like about ourselves. And what happens is when we, when we think about our own insufficiency, we nearly render ourselves useless. What we should see when we look in the mirror is not ourselves, but we should see is our Savior and the Spirit of God who dwells within us who makes us sufficient. Paul said, our sufficiency is of God. Where do we get the supply? We get it from the Spirit of God. How are we going to make a difference in this world? By walking in the Spirit, by being Spirit-filled people. And that begins in the heart of someone who has a heart of belief in God, a heart that is willing to humble himself, to submit herself to the Lord, to his will, to his work. May God help us. Now notice what happens. In verse 19, Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. And he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. What does this world need to hear? It needs to hear the music and the message of the saints of God who have a heart for God, who are filled with the Spirit of God. Can I say it to you again? The Lord seeks such a man. He's seeking him today in this congregation. A man, a woman, a father, a mother, a grandfather, an uncle, an aunt, a young person, a child who just has a heart for God. If you do, let me tell you that God sees you and he delights in you. You see, not only is God looking for a man who has a heart after him, but God is literally looking from his heart. Can you and I explain in any way why God loves us? The answer is we can't. 
despite all of our sin and all of our problems, God sees us. You see, if we brought a group of children in here and they were all running around behaving themselves in a certain way, and you begin to point out their misdeeds, I would imagine there might be one who I can think of who would be two years of age. And I wouldn't see him quite the same way everybody else would see him. You might say, can't you see what that boy's doing? And I would say, well, I see more than that. I see what that boy's doing, but I see who that boy is, and he's someone very special to me. He's my grandson. I don't just see him with my eyes. I see him with my heart. How does God see us? With his heart. He set his affections upon us. And he supplies us day by day to do what he's called us to do. To give us skill, to give us strength, to give us knowledge and wisdom. And when we stroke our harp, however it is that we do it, there's a world who hears that song and they recognize there's something in it they need. They need a man after God's own heart. Your children need a father after God's own heart. They need a mother after God's own heart. May God help us. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.